is just very introductory, so it's going to be rapid. So we're not going to go super deep into uh, some of it, but just so you're familiar with the unique qualities of Proverbs and Hebrew poetry. So just to, uh, to start us out here, these are all the scriptures, how this is working. I just put these up here so that... You know, if I say, hey, could someone take this? You know, you can just look up there and see. I don't have to keep repeating it. Uh, so just bear that in mind if I ask, you know, somebody take Romans 11, and then you remember that, that you got that one. I really want to spend a lot of time right here today. So that's really where the bulk of our time is going to be spent today, is just understanding the nature of Proverbs and wisdom specifically. And then we're going to touch on some of the advantages of wisdom, uh, which actually is a probably one of the largest, you know, I, I divvied up all the Proverbs under different categories for the teachers. This was the largest section. So there's just a lot of, in Proverbs, uh, extolling the advantages of wisdom, okay? Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, when, we, when, it really, when you look at it, it really kind of boils down to just a few things. But to begin with, when we talk about wisdom literature, okay, there's a certain genre in scripture, stylistic form in which scripture was written. We call it wisdom literature. Proverbs would be one of those, okay? Uh, what would be some other wisdom literature books in the Bible? Job, Psalms. I heard somebody say Psalms. Ecclesiastes. Any others? This one's a little tougher. Usually James is considered to be wisdom literature as well. Just his style kind of mimics that Old Testament uh, style of how Hebrew poetry was written there. Uh, it was written in the style of, uh, um, much of the book was written in the style of Hebrew poetry. So when we talk about Semitic poetry, you know, when we, okay, first of all, let's name the differences. When we talk about English poetry, what kind of sets English poetry apart as far as its characteristics? Rhyme. Rhyme, okay. Anything else? Like meter, kind of like. Yeah, like a rhythm? Yeah. Okay. Rhyme and rhythm, typically. And it has to do with the words, right, that are chosen. Uh, when it comes to Hebrew poetry, uh, it's not so much in you know, the grammatical form, but rather it's parallelism that, that is a parallelism of thought. Okay? Uh, who would like to look up? Uh, oh, did I really skip that? Why did I put Exodus up there first? Okay, it shouldn't be there. Who would like to read Proverbs? Oh, I totally missed it. That's why. Uh, who would like to read Proverbs? Uh, 19.5 and then someone read 19 or you could same person read 19.4 but we're going to do them separately so 19.5, 19.4 okay you can get 19.4 as well <laughs> oh, oh wait I, let me introduce it sorry I just wanted to set it up so that uh, so when we uh, when we talk about parallelism of thought there's two main Ways that this, this parallelism manifests itself. There's other ways as well. I don't want to spend too much time talking about this and, and perhaps, you know, get off into the weeds. Uh, but when we talk about parallelism of thought, the two main ones are synonymous 
and anti- uh, yeah, antithetical. Uh, synonymous and antithetical. Uh, Proverbs 19.5 is an example of synonymous. And then 19.4 is an example of antithetical. So go ahead and read 19.4 for us. Or 5, sorry. Five. A false witness will not come punished, and he who tells lies will not escape. Okay. So... So you see the parallelism, how it's synonymous. The first part of the refrain, okay, is stating a truth. And then the second part states the same truth in a slightly different way. Okay, uh, that's, that's synonymous. Now, uh, chapter 19, verse 4 is antithetical. Go ahead and read it. Well, that's many friends, but four men Okay, so antithetical isn't restating it, you know, in, in synonymous terms. Rather, it's stating the opposite truth. Okay, so this is, the, this is what marks Hebrew poetry, um, is this parallelism of thought. You see this a lot in the Psalms. There's a lot of repeating oneself in the Psalms. Uh, there's a lot of stating it one way and then stating the opposite. Uh, to kind of give the opposite reality, the mirrored reality uh, that, that the author is trying to convey there. And, okay, so we've gotten through those first two. Let's go ahead and uh, talk now about the nature of wisdom. And this is an involved conversation because you can get Proverbs wrong. And, and so I want to talk about how to get them right but then also avoid the pitfalls of getting them wrong. Okay? Uh, let's talk about the nature of wisdom and the nature of Proverbs. When the, when the term wisdom, what, what would be a synonym for wisdom? When you think of wisdom, what, what comes to mind? Experience. Okay, that's a good word. Right choices. Okay, right choices. Experience, right choices. Anyone else? Okay, it's very practical. Knowledge, that is definitely part of it. Okay, now we're starting to get kind of like to the specific manifestation of it, right? Um, which is true. But at its barest meaning, wisdom is skill. Okay? Skill. Who would like to read for us Exodus 35, 30 through 31? This is kind of wisdom in its broadest use possible. Who would like to read that one? 30, 31. Exodus 35, 30 through 31. the the Okay, so that word actually translated skill in your context. The NASB translates as wisdom. It's the same, you know, Hebrew word there. And the barest meaning is that of wisdom is skill. It's being skilled at something. And when we talk about the book of Proverbs, it's really about being skilled at life. Okay, it's living life well. 
Living life the way God intended it. Living life in light of God's truth. Okay? So that is really the idea of wisdom in the book of Proverbs, is the skill of living in the fear of the Lord. Okay, that's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So wisdom is the skill of living life in the light of God's word. And it is also an attribute of God. All right. Wisdom is an attribute of God. So who would like to read for us Proverbs 3, 19 through 20? And someone else grab Daniel 2, 20 through 21. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the beast broke open and the clouds dropped down to the Okay, thank you. So, creation reveals God's wisdom. Creation reveals, just like Bezalel had the skill to create things, okay, we see that that is an attribute of God. God himself has wisdom. He has understanding. He, we look at creation and we see how it all works together and we see skill. We see a very wise intelligent being, right? And what's very important about this as far as wisdom being manifested in God's creation is very important to Proverbs and understanding the conclusions and the dogmatism with, with which he can state things at times is because it's almost like God, God's wisdom is manifested in creation. So when you don't live wisely, it puts you at odds with the creation God placed us in. Okay? So just, there's a large emphasis on work in Proverbs. If you don't work, what's this creation going to do to you? It's going to starve you. <laughs> right? God created man to work in the garden, and if you don't work, if you go against that created order, that wisdom that he uh, designed the world with, then you're going to suffer the consequences of it. Okay? Uh, God has designed people a certain way. Okay? So when it comes to our relationships, if you behave a certain way, guess what? You're going to get a certain kind of response. <laughs> All right? It's just the way God has designed it. So you're not going to escape that. This is an attribute of God, and it's manifested in his creation. And guess what? You're part of that creation. And, and you go ahead and violate the laws, the principles manifested in creation, and you will pay the penalty for it. Uh, he talks a lot about immorality. So uh, when you take uh, the design of God, one man, one woman, and you pervert it through adultery or polygamy or anything else, what do you end up with? You end up with a problem. Okay. So again, he emphasizes a lot. There's like five, or I'm sorry, five, six, and seven. Chapters five, six, and seven are dedicated just to the issue of sexual immorality. All right. Uh, let's also look at Daniel uh, two twenty. Who would like to read that for us? Daniel says, "Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to Him. It is He who changes." 
He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. Okay. So, in, uh, we see that wisdom was there in creating this world. Where else is it also manifested? Say that again. Creating rulers. Okay, yeah, the superintending of it, right? Yep, exactly. So God's wisdom is still manifested in how he is controlling the flow of time and history. All right, and guiding it all towards his purposes, his design. Um, Romans 11.33. I got it. Oh, the depth depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Okay. So that just kind of emphasizes that you just really can't wrap your mind around it. And, you know, Paul at that point in the book of Romans has basically finished out uh, the doctrinal section of the book. And he gets to the end of that doctrinal section of the book and he says, you know, can we really wrap our mind around everything that I've just taught you? I mean, this is just like we're skimming the surface. Okay, Uh, we're going to spend all of eternity never exhausting the wisdom and knowledge of God. It is inscrutable. It's unfathomable. All right. It is so very deep that we're just like getting glimpses here in the scriptures. All right. So let's talk about wisdom. Uh, Wisdom. It's a skill, it's an attribute of God, and it begins with the fear of the Lord. Okay? That's it begins with the fear of the Lord. So this this means, again, I, I mentioned this previously, it's the skill of living. Okay, wisdom is the skill of living, but it's the skill of living in light of who God is. It's the skill of living in light of the word, the truth that he has revealed, what he has revealed about himself. Uh, When it's not tempered with that, when humanity's skill of living life is not tempered with the fear of the Lord, what does it look like? What are some words that you could describe it? Foolish. Okay, foolish. But do we ever see foolishness that kind of surprises us in how skillful it is? Are there some very bright, intelligent sinners in this world? What do we call them? Shrewd. Shrewd. Right? So that's kind of like when man's intellect and man's ability is governed by sin rather than God's truth. Is there still kind of this wow factor to it? Like, I can't believe that guy built the criminal empire that he did. (laughs) I can't believe Bernie Madoff pulled it off for so long. Right? I can't believe that this happened or that. Sometimes we're kind of wow, but that's not skill. That's not wisdom. Because... It's not in the fear of the Lord. Okay? It is the fool. No matter how skillful it may look or appear on the surface. Uh-huh. No matter how much it may surprise us. Couldn't you call it wisdom to do evil? 
Shrewdness, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, shrewdness, I, I wouldn't want to use the term wisdom because that's a very positive word in the scriptures, so, um, especially in the book of Proverbs. Um, so wisdom, it begins with the fear of the Lord. It's not a part, this is not skill of living apart from in the light of who God is and what he's revealed. Wisdom, okay, Okay, wisdom is, you're not going to like this word, situational. Situational, okay? Wisdom is situational. What do I mean by that? So we're talking about God's absolute truth. Does God's truth change? Yeah, it's absolute. It's unchanging. So, what do I mean by wisdom is situational? It changes depending on where you are at. Okay. So, we're taking that absolute truth and putting it in unique circumstances. That takes wisdom. It's like, okay, what does obedience to God look like when I'm placed in this situation? We were doing a little bit of that in Jeff's class, right? We're taking eternal truths where God values life and we're putting them in very thorny situations and trying to sort them out and say, okay, what does honoring God look like in a situation where, you know, very challenging, difficult circumstances have come about? Okay, what, what does that look like? That takes wisdom. I'm always impressed with Daniel. Daniel is one of the wisest people portrayed in scriptures, right? And when we see him, we see a man who isn't back at Jerusalem anymore. He's not in a context where everything's Jewish and you can easily live the law if you want to. No, he's transported to Babylon. He's confronted with the king's food, right? He's confronted with all kinds of, he's made king of the magicians. <laughs> I mean, how do you be a man of God when you're the king of the pagan worshiper? Or, you know, I'm a, did I say king? Uh, what does he mean? The, uh, what was the position called? Master of the, uh, the uh, magicians. You know, he was the highest ranking magi magician. How in the world do you navigate that role when you fear the Lord? It takes wisdom, right? So this is, uh, wisdom is situational. God's truth is absolute, but circumstances vary. And that's why we need wisdom. Um, let me say that wisdom realizes that there are no perfect people. We read that in Ecclesiastes, right? There's no one who does good continually and never sins. Wisdom realizes that there is no perfect people, no perfect choices, no perfect outcomes. Wisdom results in the best possible outcome. That's what wisdom is seeking. What, given the set of circumstances I find myself in, what is the best, most God-honoring, God-fearing decision, choice, outcome I could pursue? All right, so Proverbs, here's another one. Proverbs is concerned primarily... All right, this is going to be too long for me. I'm going to have to summarize it. Proverbs is concerned primarily with earthly consequences. Only occasionally 
are you going to see the author kind of, you know, look to eternity? We're going to see a few of those verses today, but primarily it's concerned about the earthly impact of your choices. Okay, the decisions that you make. Um, let's go ahead and look at an example of this. Let's uh, have somebody read Psalm 51.4. This is David after his sin with Bathsheba. Okay. Uh, okay. And then um, this is David after his sin with Bathsheba. And he's articulating what, you know, what was the issue with his, his actions. And then we see Proverbs 6.32-35. Who would like to read that? Proverbs 6, 32 through 35. Okay, Janet. So both, in both cases, adultery is in view. But note the differences between them. Go ahead and, and read them both now. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Okay. The one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. He who would destroy himself does it. Wounds and disgrace he will find, and his reproach will not be blotted out. For jealousy enrages a man, and he will not escape, or, and he will not spare in the day of vengeance. Um, he will not accept any ransom, nor will he be satisfied, though you give many gifts. Okay, so what's the difference between those two depictions of the consequences of sexual sin? Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know whether the progress was, was uh, repentant, but you, like you say, he's talking about earthly things, and he's talking about all the the stuff that you get on, on earth there. I mean, same was you can give all kinds of gifts, I'm assuming maybe to his wife, or maybe the other gal, or... Or, or to the man so that man, he doesn't right. kill you. Yeah, right. yeah, nobody's satisfied. <laughs> exactly. So he is, he's looking, so when David's repentant and he articulates that, he's just looking at how his, you know, his actions offended God. When we look at Proverbs, the primary concern is, what's going to happen to you in this world as a result of this? What, what does sin do to your life here now? How is it going to shred it? Okay, um, whereas, you know, again, uh, okay, let me say this. Um, oh, I might be skipping ahead. Okay, we won't do that. We won't skip ahead. But um, just remember this, that, that really Proverbs is concerned. It, it doesn't so much view, um, you know, uh, uh, actions through the lens of, God's commandments in the sense of this is sin, this isn't sin, says, okay, you do this, this is what's going to happen, it's going to be good. Oh, yeah, you obey God in this instance, then it, the outcome is going to be good for you here on earth. If you disobey him, this is going to be the outcome, it's going to be negative here on earth, okay? But it, it doesn't always have that view in sense of you're committing sin against God. Um, this doesn't read like the law of Moses. All right. So, wisdom. Ah, I'm not going to be able to do this. Maximizes your existence. Okay? Wisdom maximizes your existence. Um, 
Who would like to read for us Proverbs? Did I not get on there? I did not get on there. Okay, Proverbs 14.4. I know why. Okay. So Proverbs 14.4. I wrote down the wrong verse here. And who would like to read Proverbs 22.26-27? Okay, so uh, Proverbs 14.4. We'll just start with that one. Go ahead and read that for us. Okay. Is there any sin in view in that verse? Is there anything that you could do there that it's just like, okay, if I do this, I'm sinning. If I don't do this, I'm not sinning? No. What happens if you heed the message of that verse? Yeah, you're going to make some money, right? (laughs) You're going to do well for yourself. Now, the point is, is that, you know, you have this oxen. What do you have to do? You have to feed it, (laughs) right? I mean, anybody who's had livestock, Jeff, I mean, livestock is work, right? They absorb your life. I mean, it's like, you know, I have a dog. I mean, you leave that dog alone for too long. I mean, you have to be there all the time, right? Well, same is true of all livestock. Maybe a cat, you can get away with it more. Uh, But certain creatures are quite independent. But livestock needs you. And it'd be easy to sit there and say, you know what? I have to feed that thing. It costs so much money. It takes so much time. I don't care. What happens then? Well, you don't get the revenue that an ox brings to your life. Okay? That's maybe a little far removed from us. A lot of times when I read this verse, I think about my car. (laughs) I can't believe how much my car costs me. I can't believe how much time I spend uh, taking care of it and just keeping it going. And at the end of the day, though, the car lets me do a lot of things, doesn't it? There's an advantage. Okay, I can drive to a job. I can go to the grocery store. I can do all these things. If I didn't have that car, there'd be a lot of things that I would be unable to do and I would not be as financially successful. So again, just that idea of maximizing our existence, okay, the skill of living and understanding the world and how best to maximize your existence in this world. That is an aspect of wisdom, okay? And it doesn't have anything to do with sin. You don't want an ox. You don't want to have to feed it. Fine. Guess what? Who here has an ox at home? (laughs) Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> How much she have to feed you, Jeff? <laughs> but the return on that ox is the best, right? Okay. All right. <laughs> exactly. All right. So this this is a plug why you should have a man in your life. No, I'm kidding. Um, okay. So we have here, let's see. So wisdom maximizes. And let's look at a negative example. Who had, uh, who had Proverbs 22, 26 through 27? This one right here. Who has Proverbs 22, 26 through 27? I got it. Okay. Be not one of those who give pledges, who put up security for debts. If you have nothing which... If you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? Okay, what do we call this today? Cosine. 
cosine, right? You're providing collateral uh, for somebody. Uh, you're, you're saying, I will absorb their debt. I'll vouch for them. If they don't pay it, I'll pay it. Okay. If you do that, have you sinned? Yeah. Can you cosign? Has God said, thou shalt not cosign? No. Okay. Make sure you don't know who you're cosigning. Exactly. But what if the person turns out to be a deadbeat? What if they forfeit on their loan? Oh, guess what? They're going to show up at your house and say, hey, what's the most valuable thing he's got here? In this case, his bed. Right? Uh, maybe even a reference to his house. Right? Just take his dwelling where he lays his head away from him. Uh, that isn't very wise. You should really be careful about doing that. And he states it so strongly. Do not be among those who give pledges. Um, it's you're... sort of an indication that the person you're co-signing for doesn't have the assets to back up what they want. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's already a problem with that person, right? I mean, it's like, okay, why can't you? <laughs> They're wanting more than they got capability of paying for. Exactly. All right, so let me get down here and see. Wisdom, okay, is, uh, is not promises, okay, but probabilities. Did I spell that right, Janet? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wisdom is not promises, but probabilities. Okay, we'll go for one of the famous ones. Who would like to read for us Proverbs 22, 6? Okay. If a child in the way Okay. Is that a promise? No. No. Okay. Well, how is it a probability? What do I mean by that word probability? It's got a greater chance of happening than not happening. Okay. When you sit out here and look at the world, if someone's born a Muslim, they were raised to be a Muslim, what are the odds of them growing up and being something different? Not very good. Not very good. Somebody's raised, you know, Roman Catholic. What are the odds of them switching religions? I was going to say, the Catholics say, give us, give us a child until he's five and he's Catholic forever. Okay, so that's a manifestation of this reality. What is it? We are creatures of habit, right? And if uh, you take a child when he's young and impressionable and this is all he's ever known, I mean, it's, it's all he's ever known. It becomes an ingrained part of who he is, right? And so uh, it's just an observation about human nature is what this is. If whatever a child is raised with, more than likely, that will stick with them for the rest of their life. Is it always given? Do Muslims become Christians? Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know, God changes Muslim lives, you know, every day. So it's good to remember that these are not promises. They are probabilities. Okay. They are what most commonly happen as a result of a certain course of actions. All right. Is there wisdom in that? Yes. You tra train your kid to be a, a moral kid, the likelihood is that will stick with it. Now we know biblically there's things working against that, right? If they're not truly converted, if their heart isn't changed, then, you know, there's, there's obviously uh, sin is going to continue there. All right. 
So promise, I'm sorry, probabilities, not promises. And let's talk about warnings concerning legalism. Okay? Uh, warnings concerning legalism. The pursuit of wisdom very easily steps off into legalism. It's very easy to get on that observation or experience trajectory, according to what I have seen, and start to preach your experience as opposed to God's word. Okay? And suddenly, you know, we have a bunch of people who are being discipled in, you know, the way that Jason Roses has lived his life, as opposed to as God exhorts you. Wisdom's going to look different in each one of our lives. Again, those circumstances change, right? And so that is why, I mean, in the New Testament, James says, if any of you lacks of wisdom, let him ask of God. I mean, this is always going to confront us. You're not going to be able to always go to your friends and say, hey, have you seen this before? You know, what should I do? Well, you know what? Were the circumstances exactly like that person? You may end up making a really bad choice. That's why it says strengthen many counselors, right? Get a well-rounded perspective and not just a single perspective. So the pursuit of wisdom easily steps off into legalism. And realize this, that Proverbs are not commands, but probability, or not commands, what's the word I say? <laughs> not commands, uh, but observations, all right? So not commands, but observations. All right, they are observations. It is Solomon applying the God-given wisdom that he had, the ability to observe and to discern the truth of a matter, okay? And he sat back and he's looking at this and he says, oh, okay, well, if you do this, this is what most likely will happen, okay? This is what most likely will happen. <clears throat> this, okay, um, here, let me say this. All foolishness, I'm sorry, all sin is foolishness, but not all foolishness is sin. We've seen a few of those examples, right? All right, you can be foolish and not necessarily be sinning. You're just not living, right, according to the skill, maximizing your, you know, you're, you're not maximizing your choices here. You're not maximizing your existence here on this earth. Sometimes that is through sin. And all sin is foolishness. You sin, you're going to pay the consequences for it. But if you're not wise and you don't make the best choice, you're going to pay the consequences for it too. Or you're at least not going to live the, the maximum, uh, maximum existence that God has offered to you. Maximum benefit. Maximum benefit. Exactly. Um, I would also say this, and this goes along with, these aren't, these aren't promises, they're probabilities, these are not commands, they're observations. Be careful you don't step off into uh, legalism. One of the ways that you can become legalistic about Proverbs is that you start to judge others for how um, their life has worked out. So we have to be careful about that. We're warned about that. Uh, this is the norm. 
Proverbs 3.16. Who would like to read that for us? Proverbs 3.16. Here's the probability. Here's the observation. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Okay. So how could this easily turn into a legalistic judging of others? Okay. Go ahead and just speak now. I, I was hearing a few, vo- few voices there. Oh, I'm sorry. It's long life. So if somebody's really old, you think she must be really wise. Okay. And if they died young? They're a fool. They're a fool. What are, what's another way you could turn this into uh, legalism? Legalistic judgment of others. Well, a lot of times it's uh, observing the rules, but not really knowing why or into why you're doing it. Okay. Yeah, that's another characteristic of legalism. Someone's in poverty poor, it's their own fault. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, you're not rich? You just made all the wrong choices in life. Right? What's another way? What's another way you could turn this verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, into a legalistic judgment of others? There's only one more element to it. Honor. <laughs> talk, honor. Okay, exactly. So maybe if someone's been rejected by society, maybe if they're looked down upon, maybe they're like the antithesis of honor, right? Oh, well, you, you just haven't been wise. You haven't been wise in, in how you've lived your life. Was Jesus very accepted in this life? Was he wise? Yes. He was exceedingly wise. He was the wisest man who ever lived, more than Solomon. What about the prophets? You know, woe when all men speak well of you, for so their father spoke of the false prophets. So just because you're, you're, you're receiving honor doesn't mean you've been wise. And just because you've been receiving dishonor doesn't make you a fool. So that's where we need to be careful. There are exceptions, okay? And that's what we see in the book of Ecclesiastes. Who would like to read for us Ecclesiastes 7.15? And then someone read 812. I got 715. Okay. In my vain life, I have seen everything. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life and his evil doing. Okay. So that's good to remember. Sometimes that shrewdness prevails, sometimes people don't get what they deserve. See, these are probabilities. Okay, they're not promises. Uh, You could be a very righteous person and live in the fear of the Lord and make very wise choices and still, I mean, you think about it. I I go back to Daniel, one of the wisest men who, who has ever lived. Did he deserve what happened to him? Yeah, he was tethered to a nation that was just plunging deep into sin and he was placed into difficult circumstances because of that. Joseph, another very wise man in scripture. Okay, did he do that to himself? Was that his fault? That his brothers were so wicked and jealous and envious that they sold him into slavery? Yeah, this is the, the classic bad things happen to good people, right? You can be wise and it still doesn't turn out for you. Uh, Solomon says this again in Ecclesiastes 8.14. Who would like to read that? 14, sorry. Yeah, I put 12, should be 14. Who would like to read that? There is a vanity that takes 
place on earth. That there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is bad. Okay. So, again, Proverbs dwells on that earthly plane, by and large. Very, very infrequently, like, <laughs> very rarely does it ever kind of go to the eternal plane, okay, to the divine plane. Um, it dwells on the earthly uh, consequences of things. And when it comes to that, there's exceptions to this, okay? But note what he says. Okay, this is where we want 812. Who would like to read 812 for us? Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear him openly. Okay. How so? <laughs> One day this life's going to end. Right. Yeah, it's going to be over. So all the earthly consequences are, are inconsequential at that point. And what's really going to matter? If you feared God, no matter how it worked out for you here on earth, He's going to accept you. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful slave. Right? And your reward will be great. Um, this, this is probably, in my opinion, this is not for me, but Alexander Strzok, uh, he, uh, he uses this verse uh, frequently in reference to elders. And just as far as eldership and making sure that you don't fall into this trap, that you're a merciful person who deals with people gently and graciously and doesn't get into the judgmental trap that can often come as a result of this. Uh, Job chapter 12, verse 5. Who would like to read that for us? So we've looked at Ecclesiastes, and we're going to look at Job. Ecclesiastes and Job give us the exceptions to Proverbs, okay? Where it doesn't always work out. Job, God himself says, there's none like him. He's, he's, one of the, he's the right, most righteous man on earth right now. He fears me in all that he does. What happened to Job? Men at ease have contempt for misfortune as the fate of those whose feet are slipping. Okay, that's Job speaking. And think about what that verse says. He who is at ease holds calamity and contempt. What is he talking about? First of all, who's he talking to? His friends. And what were his friends doing? Oh, yeah. They were, they were skewering him. They were putting his head on a pole, right? You did something wrong. Bad things don't happen to good people, right? You're doing something wrong. You did something to deserve this. This is why your whole family's dead. This is why all your possessions were stolen. This is why you have this foul disease now. You clearly sinned against God. None of them were aware of the contest that was going on between Satan and God, were they? They were oblivious. I mean, this was, this was not anything what they thought it was at all. They never had that perspective like we do by reading the book and starting out and saying, oh, wait, you know, Job was righteous. That was God's assessment before this all started. So he who is at ease refers to who? In, in the context of Job and his friends, Job speaking, his friends, right? his friends, his friends weren't experiencing the things that he was right. He who is at ease holds calamity in contempt. 
They see bad things happening to people. It hasn't touched them and they're just like, I don't know what you did, but I know I didn't do it. Right? As prepared for those whose feet slip. They fell into that trap. They sound a lot like the book of Proverbs. If you listen to the book of Proverbs and you listen to Job's friends, Job's friends sound like they're applying the book of Proverbs. Oh, well, look, we've seen a rich man. He does all this. And then God showed up and killed him or he did this to him. He he made them suffer. And Job says, wait a minute. I look around. I see all kinds of wicked people who are living a great life now. So they're having this back and forth. okay? and he's looking at his friends. He says, you know, this just hasn't touched you. That's why you're able to sit there in judgment of me. So that that's that's something to remember in this whole discussion when we get into the book of Proverbs is. So in other words, when disasters happen, we should look at is it something they did or is it just something that's happening for some other reason? Exactly. Job's friends at the end of the day were just speculating, right? I mean, in fact, they're kind of like, come on, admit it. You did something. What did you do? You just, you know, if you come clean with God, he'll forgive you. Well, we were wanting to help him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need that kind of help. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They were, it, was a, it, it was a misguided attempt to help him. If you look at them, they were wanting to help him. Hey, confess your sin and you'll, this disaster will get over with. Exactly. And the way that they were going wrong is, again, Scripture is embodies the, the principle innocent until proven guilty, right? On the basis of two or three witnesses. They're coming at this and they're like, which two, Joe? You know, you did something, right? You did something. We know you did something. Tell us what it is. Why were they doing that? Well, you know, the book of Proverbs, you know, wisdom says, of course, the book of Proverbs wasn't written then, but they're functioning on that same kind of wisdom that says, hey, look, if you do, if you, if you're righteous, things work out for you. And what we see in Job is, just like Ecclesiastes, not always. Sometimes it's the opposite. Okay. Well, so, they're looking for a transaction. They're, they're looking for, okay, you must have done this. We want to know this equals, this plus this equals this. Right. So, in order for me not to end up like you did, I have to I have to look at your mistakes and and learn from them. Sure. So in my mind, Job's friends were coming up with a transaction that Job had done to make sure that they did not follow that same transaction. Make sure, sure that they didn't do that same thing. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, that and uh, the book of Proverbs, that's what it's all about. <laughs> I looked through my window. I saw a, a young, naive fool walking down the street, right? Oh, I looked out and, and, and I saw this guy. I, I walked by the sluggard's house and I saw that things were kind of falling in. The weeds were really tall, you know. Well, let's look at today. There's a disaster an earthquake in Turkey. Why? Is it just something that happened? Has God got it in for the Turks and the Syrians? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Or, that's hey, that, hey, He's wanting to bring the gospel into Syria and Turkey by bringing all these people in. Precisely. So that's why that you're exactly right because I mean there is a brand of Christianity that sees every national disaster as what? Oh, God must be judging them. 
So, right? I don't know what those Ukrainians did, but you know, obviously they made God mad. Yeah. We like to know everything. Yeah, and we don't. Exactly. Agreed. All right. So, hey, you know, we've been moving along pretty good. I think, I think we might actually get done. Um, anybody have any questions on that before we kind of move in to the, to the book itself? Okay, yes. You, um, you're saying that the things written in Proverbs are um, probabilities, not promises. Right. So are you saying that that goes all the way through the book? Probabilities, not promises. Yes. Yeah, I would not I would not say I mean, we'd have to look at specific examples. Like I said, sometimes the book of Proverbs kind of rises above the clouds. You know, sometimes there's this no, this is an absolute truth. Um, but for the most part, you know, again, it's it's Proverbs is living in light of God's absolute truth. It begins with the fear of the Lord. Right. But then it's very circumstantial. So, for instance, we talked about an ox, and we didn't pursue this. It was this Exodus reference. Uh, we talk about an ox. Uh, you sit there and say, oh, okay, well, hey, you know, if I have an ox, you know, it'll make me money. It'll provide this, that, or the other thing. But then you read in God's law, it's like, okay, well, what if that ox that you're buying has a history of goring people? You buy that ox, and it gores somebody, and they die. What happens to you? You're dead. Oh, so wisdom says not every ox is a good ox. Uh, <laughs> I want to make sure I get the right ox. So see how circumstantial it is. You change a few details and all of a sudden it's just like, oh, well, wisdom has changed. Now the best choice is this. It's better not to have an ox than to have an ox that gores somebody. So um, that's what I mean by situational. Okay, it's circumstantial. It's very fluid. It, it can change given the circumstances. Mike, you seem like you want to say something. Isn't it true that some of these proverbs are actually in common with other Near Eastern, you know, literature? That um, these were these are observations of what generally happens when you know you do this and you do that. It's like people that were not inspired were seeing these things. General principles, I guess. Agreed. And we have, we have our proverbs, you know, uh, haste makes waste, right? Haven't you seen that before? I mean, this is why it emphasizes so much, you know, wisdom is with the gray hair. You stick around long enough, you pick up on these things. Yeah, yeah, don't be hasty. You're just going to end up wasting, right? Uh, what about a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush? Okay. The same. Yeah. And, and there's wisdom in that, right? I mean, don't gamble. I mean, I got, I got what I need. Do I really trade it in to try and get more? You better be careful about that. It doesn't always work out. All right. Um, I'm sure if we sat here long enough, we could come up with more. But those are proverbs of sorts. They're pithy sayings about what we've observed about life. And, you know, they... Uh, the probability now is a bird in the hand worth two in the bush, uh, you know, all the time. Well, no, people win down the casino all the time, right? <laughs> it's not it's not the one winner that, that we should be thinking about. That's the one we usually focus on. Right. It's the it's the, you know, thousand losers that had to lose to pay for that one winner. <laughs> OK, uh, but that's not the one that gets advertised. Um, all right. Anyone else? No, this was good. All right. Ah, 
Oh, that was ambitious. Maybe we won't get through everything. Well, um, yes. The train up the child run, a lot of people will figure, hey, I train my kids to be righteous, therefore there's no way they're going to go to hell. That's Some people yeah. take that view. Exactly. They, they think that because they did it right, well, there's still a, a choice that needs to be made now, on the part of the child. They did it right, but did the kid do it right? Yeah, it's a personal decision. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yes? Um, earlier, sorry, I was wondering if I should even ask this. <laughs> okay. Earlier, I don't think, I think I, earlier when you were talking about like Daniel and Joseph, were you saying, um, you were saying they didn't deserve what happened to them, right? Correct. Okay, I just misheard it. Um, but uh, I've, do people, is it that kind of side thing where it's like they didn't deserve it, but they don't necessarily deserve for everything to go right? Is that kind of the probability of it too? Like as sinners, we don't necessarily deserve anything to go correctly. Very true. I mean, what we deserve is hell, right? Sure. I mean, so again, Proverbs isn't functioning on that kind of heavenly eternal plane. It's functioning right. on this earth and saying, okay, if I behave this way, what it usually happens for a person? Okay, so it, it, it's maximizing your existence here on earth. Was Job a sinner and he deserved an eternal hell? Absolutely. But God wasn't functioning that way. He looks at Job and he says, there's nothing like him. So Job's big struggle is, is, is he even personally saying, what have I done to deserve this? You know, what, I mean, you know, if you serve the Lord, if you fear God, shouldn't it work out for you? And look, it's not working out for me. And generally, Proverbs, it, it does work out for the righteous, but not always. So, not always. Um, all right, we have to, uh, <laughs> we have to read the first seven verses of the book of Proverbs. Who would like to read uh, Proverbs 1, 1 through 7 for us? wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and the riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, so just for the sake of time, I'm going to summarize some of the components of what he says here. Number one, he mentions the wise. He mentions the fool. Who else does he mention? You. Okay, what's the difference between those three? I mean, the wise and the fool are pretty obvious, right? One's rejected wisdom, one's seeking it, practicing it. What about the youth? What, what makes them unique? Okay, they're inexperienced. Yeah, sometimes it's not, I mean, you're not a fool just for being a child. You're just inexperienced. You need to be taught, okay? And so he's saying, hey, it doesn't matter if you're a wise man. What? A wise man will hear and increase in learning. You're never going to exhaust wisdom. You're never going to be so wise that you don't have to sit and be taught again, right? There's always, there's always more refinement that can go on. Uh, in our wisdom. 
uh, we could talk about the fool, right? He despises wisdom and instruction. He doesn't want to hear about the fear of the Lord. He doesn't want to know how to practice it and how it looks in certain situations. Okay. There's the child who just doesn't know anything, right? He just, he's clueless. Um, but note that there's also an intellectual component to, um, to Proverbs, to wisdom, to know wisdom and uh, instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, verse 6, uh, to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. Okay, so ironically, these things are wisdom principles and he wants us to learn them, but they're written in riddles. <laughs> right? It's easy to read the book of Proverbs and say, what in the world is he talking about? I think it's designed. This is what wisdom is like. It, you really have to dig in and think about this. And that's life, folks. If you're not someone who is presented with a situation and you decide, I need to dig in and really think about this. I need to ask the Lord for wisdom to understand. Then guess what? You're not going to be a wise person. It takes thought. It takes, you know, that time and meditation and considering all the facts before you make a decision and choose a course in life. If you fail to do that, then you will be a fool. You will end up making those hasty decisions that we're warned about continually. Um, so just rapid fire here. Let's read through some of these. Uh, th this is the main one. Who would like to read Proverbs uh, 13, uh, 3, 13, 3, 18 for us? Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. I'm sorry, through verse 18 today. Yeah, 13 through 18, sorry. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing that you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Okay, thank you. So what are some of the advantages of wisdom that we read in those verses? They're blessed. Okay, blessed. Oh, there's lots in there, folks. Long life. Okay, long life. Peace. Life. Wealth. Peace. Wealth. Well, that's kind of the irony of it, isn't it? You know, it's like, okay... If you go pursue wealth for wealth's sake, oh, we read a lot about that in Proverbs. It's not a good thing. But if you pursue wisdom, guess what comes along with it? Wealth. Right? So make sure you're aiming at the right thing here. <laughs> you, you aim too low, and you're going to miss it. And you're going to be the fool. And you may get wealth, but it's not going to be blessed in the end. Right? It's not going to be blessed at the end. Uh, what else? Okay. Pleasantness. Peaceful. Yep, peace. Understanding. Understanding. Honor. Honor. That's my time. <laughs> okay. So we get the picture though, right? There are advantages 
Who doesn't want to be blessed with the Lord? Who doesn't want a long life, peace, wealth, pleasant, a pleasant existence, understanding, honor? Are those noble things? Well, more wisdom, too. More wisdom. More wisdom. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not going to right now, but but you get the picture. You get the picture. These are not antithetical. These are things that God designed us to have in this creation. And if you're wise, you will attain them. Okay. Unless the Lord has ordained otherwise.